For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? And thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided. And if you're looking to score a great deal off tickets, download the TickPick app today. I am telling you, with the Giants coming into town, you're going to want to get the best offer on your Dodger Stadium tickets. And there's no service fee at checkout using the TickPick app. It's as simple as going to the App Store, searching TickPick, Downloading the app, looking up your favorite event, the Dodgers, finding the seats you want, and at checkout, you see the price. That's what you're paying because there's no service fees over at TickPick, a proud sponsor of the Incline Dodgers podcast. What is going on? This is Kevin Klein. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are now 39-30 and as they are only two games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Who would have guessed that? But anyways, the Dodgers take the series against the Chicago White Sox two games to one. We'll get into that second game in great detail because that was sure frustrating. But what a bounce back performance by the Dodgers bullpen Thursday evening as they toss six shutout innings and needed extra innings to get the job done as the Dodgers walk it off five to four thanks to Freddie Freeman. But obviously the big story in this game has to go to Chris Taylor in the sixth inning. The Dodgers were down to two outs. They had the bases loaded. Chris Taylor came up facing Ronaldo Lopez and Chris Taylor connected for his hundredth career home run. And this was a big one, a grand slam to tie the game up at four Dodgers. Never looked back, took it to the 11th, walked it off. This is a much needed bounce pack performance, not only from the bullpen, but the Dodgers bats as well. Even though they weren't great with runners in scoring position, they were three for 11. And it's nice that Mookie bats had an incredible, I believe 12 pitch at bat against Crochet had worked the walk, and then Freddie Freeman capped it off with the walk-off. Uh, the big story, I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah. So you look at the Dodgers' bullpen. Shelby Miller came in, tossed two scoreless innings. Yancy Almonte, after a stinker the night before, bounced back with two strikeouts. The sweeper was really moving. Evan Phillips, MVP of the bullpen, came in, tossed two shutout innings, including going back out there in the 10th with a ghost runner, had four strikeouts overall, didn't allow a run to score. And then Caleb Ferguson picking up the win. He tossed a clean 11th inning, setting it up for the walk-off. Not too much else to add. Jake Reiner and David Rosenthal will be joining me in just a moment, but I do want to note one other thing. Michael Grove started this game for the Dodgers and he had some moments of brilliance, but he also had some moments of just disgusting vomit in a trash can. He gave up four earned runs all via different solo home runs to Robert Jimenez, Berger and Vaughn. He was not really that impressive yet again, even though he had seven strikeouts, his ERA remains at eight ten. And I don't know what the Dodgers can really do with Michael Grove moving forward. It's not like they really have many options out of the Dodgers pipeline that they're willing to call up. Although I would consider going with knack or Sheehan at this point, because it really can't get much worse. 
But thankfully, the Dodgers bats were resilient. They didn't let the deficit get to them. This team is just relentless, as Jake would say. Even when they were down four runs, they clawed their way back, took one grand slam to get right back into it, and they made up for another mid-Michael Grove performance. He keeps giving up four runs every time out. Thankfully, the Dodgers take this one, and they win 5-4. to four. Game two against the White Sox was arguably the worst loss of this of the uh, season. I mean, there was that bad one in Cincinnati where they were up eight to four or whatever it was, and they lost nine to eight. But this one hurts even more because it was Clayton Kershaw day. He threw six innings, gave up two runs. He was not even his best self, not even true vintage Kershaw. He had to get five outs in that sixth inning because the defense was yet again kind of a letdown, but Kershaw got out of it without giving up runs. Al Monte did his job in the seventh inning, and then things just went to shit. It starts with Yancy Almonte again going out in the eighth inning, kind of a bit of a head scratcher. Maybe we'll dive into that. Eventually gave up a two-run home run to Berger. God, ESPN kept talking about burgers and in and out. That was kind of just a something in itself showing the quality of our broadcasting over there at ESPN. But anyways, Almonte gave up the two-run home run. Then Roberts, in another bit of a head-scratching move, went to Alex Vessia, who has been maybe the worst reliever consistently coming out of the pen all season in a 4-4 game. Went to him, and guess what? Alex Vessia gave up the tie. It was now 5-4 White Sox. And then, for whatever freaking reason, Gratterall came in as the third reliever in the eighth inning to clean up two dog shit messes with his little poop bag. And then we get to the ninth inning. Somehow Dave Roberts decided to punt the game away by going to Taylor Scott, only down a run, and things escalated. Eventually, Victor Gonzalez had to come in. Before you know it, it was 8-4, to four and the Dodgers lost. So I kind of rambled on there, but I think I gave you guys a pretty vivid explanation of what happened in that Wednesday evening defeat. We'll start with Jake Reiner. Jake Reiner, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this mess of a bullpen and, I guess, that game? I've kept a cool head throughout the whole season because I, I kind of give this team the benefit of the doubt. This is kind of what we expected this team to be like. I mean, they're good, but they're not great. So take that with a grain of salt. But for whatever reason, last night was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me because it just is too many times where the offense puts up a lot of runs. They give you the lead and you just give it right back to them. And there's been too many blown leads where the Dodgers have scored at least six runs. Last night it was four runs, but it but it seems like six, seven, eight runs they score and they still lose these games. It's so frustrating to watch game in and game out, especially for Kershaw, who, as we know, is trying to rack up as many wins as possible as in the back half of his career. So that was disappointing. But too many times this year, Dave Roberts has kind of punted these games where I'm sorry, dude. You're not running away with this division. Arizona is a real threat. The Giants are coming up behind us. You can't afford to play around with these games, especially against a team like the White Sox, which this should have, this should have been an easy sweep, kind of similar to what happened with the Washington Nationals. That game should have been a sweep. They brought He brought in Phil Bickford and the lead and the deficit ballooned, and they had no chance of coming back. So it's just game in and game out. I understand this bullpen hasn't been great, so not all the blame can go on Dave Roberts. I mean, these guys simply just have to execute, and they have not been doing that at a consistent rate this year. But given the fact that you have Gratterall and Phillips available last night, how you don't go to them in a two-run game after Almonte already gave you a clean inning to send him back out there, I don't understand that. I understand he only threw 10 pitches, but... There's no reason that you have to have him go too. It's not like he's covering for this taxed bullpen. Everyone wants to talk about how taxed this bullpen is. I don't think so. They've got it. They've had a bunch of off days um, in in a very short period of time. So they shouldn't be taxed. I know the starters aren't going that long as as long as we'd like them to. But this is this was ridiculous. This this was another. Uh, golden opportunity to get an easy win and for whatever reason we're just making it di more difficult on ourselves david rosenthal's in the house what's up david yeah so this is not their best stretch of the year obviously uh i think the bullpen is a huge concern at this point i think 
basically what it is. It's it's like that meme with the Lamborghini in the car in the garage of that shitty house, and the Lamborghini is Evan Phillips, and everything else is the rest of the Dodgers bullpen. Uh, and even Evan Phillips has kind of slipped up recently. Uh, I mean, a lot of it wasn't his fault. I think he gave up one or two walk-offs, uh, but he kind of came in late there. Dave Roberts also not not at his best right now. Uh, yesterday was was not good, but the game that really kind of kind of bothered me with Dave Roberts was against the Reds when they got walked off by uh, three runs in the ninth inning. Caleb Ferguson, uh, Dave Roberts just let him out there to die. I mean, he literally left him out there to die. Ferguson had zero command, nothing going on. And he he brought in Shelby Miller and it was way too late. Bases loaded one out, I believe it was. So Dave is Dave is in postseason form, if you want to say right now, with <laughs> bullpen management. But bottom line, they're they're three and seven in their last ten. Uh this is gonna happen at, at any season, uh, especially when you're not projected to win 115 games. So I'm kind of keeping a cooler head right now. If if there's one thing that's the easiest thing to acquire at the deadline, it's relief pitching. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams selling. We saw what they did with Chris Martin last year. Chris Martin wasn't on anybody's radar ever last year at the deadline. We got him. Uh, well, maybe Kevin's, but besides Kevin, that was about it. And we got him, and he was lights out. So I'm not too concerned about that. I think that Andrew Friedman has done a really good job of identifying relievers that fit with the Dodgers relievers that can bounce back from their current seasons. So I think that is going to be necessary. And I can guarantee you a lot of these guys we're seeing right now are not going to be there in the playoffs. One counter that you just said, are there going to be a lot of teams selling? It feels like everyone's in the race out outside of like five teams. right? Well, now. yeah, I mean, it's early right now, but I mean, there's going to be teams selling. I mean, let's, let's take a look at the standings. I mean, you know, look at St. Look, look at what's happening with St. Louis right now. They, they might even, they be have sellers. no pitching. Well, I think they got a couple guys in the bullpen who who might be in an, of interest. But I mean, Boston might be selling. The Royals have the Royals actually have a couple of good relievers. Detroit, White Sox possibly, uh Oakland if they have anybody who's not in AAA. <laughs> okay. Seattle is not looking too good. There's there's plenty of teams who will be selling at some point. We just don't know exactly who they are yet. There's and a also, few names I, I, I have in particular, but we'll get into that maybe in a little bit. My, hey, remember my bold preseason I, prediction? Yeah, like mid Cubs reliever. Javier Assad. This bullpen is terrible. They're still 29th in Major League Baseball. They are sitting at now a 490 ERA. It is statistically, I believe, the worst Dodgers bullpen in franchise history or something. If they continue at the pace they're going, somehow that's even worse than 2014 when they employed that bunch of losers. We're 21st in baseball overall as its staff at 449. So we're in the bottom third. You would never imagine the Dodgers in that category, but here we are. Um, some of the comments that Dave Roberts made after the game kind of irked me, like calling the decision to go to Almonte in the second inning for to get five outs, he said. That was his plan, was a no-brainer. Wasn't really a no-brainer because I looked at his game logs. He's recorded five outs all a whole bunch of uh, zero times this season. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know what you're thinking there. It's not like he's been lights out either. He's sitting at a 675 ERA with a 150 whip. So he's not exactly automatic. And then I don't understand the decision why he went to Alex Vesey at all. I mean, he has a 702 ERA. He has a 240 whip. That's not a high leverage reliever at all. He should be back in AAA if we're being quite frank. And I wouldn't be surprised if he actually gets demoted today or tomorrow when they have a scheduled bullpen game. But that's another matter I want to discuss um, in a little more in a little more detail in a second. Uh, then Taylor Scott, why is he pitching the ninth? I mean, he has a 10-13 ERA. The script was simple. It's Almonte in the seventh, Grouter on the eighth, Phillips in the ninth. But it seems like Roberts gets in his own head, and he said that it's very frustrating and they have to do better. Maybe you need to do better, asshole, because why are you making this shit more complicated than it needs to be? I mean, it should be you go with a lower leverage reliever in the seventh, so like an Almonte, then you go to your second tier, higher leverage relievers. That would be Gratterall, clean inning. And then you close it out with your closer should be Phillips. But Roberts is being too cute. And we were supposed to have a scheduled bullpen game Friday, but instead he used five relievers to get six outs. So I don't know what the hell you're doing me. What, what are you doing, man? Like, are you kidding me, Dave Roberts? You are that candidate this week because that was the biggest shit show I've seen in quite some time. Almost as bad as a... Uh, that is almost as bad as any regular season game I can think of. Okay, but my my retort to that is, who who are you going with in the bullpen aside from Gratterall and Phillips? I mean, his that, hands are kind of That was the eighth and the ninth. That is the eighth and the ninth. 
I agree yesterday. Yesterday for sure. And they have Shelby Miller too. I'm talking overall right now. His hands are kind of tied. I mean, if you're going to have a guy... It was not tied in that game. You had Kershaw give you six innings. The seventh inning, they went to Almonte. He got the job job done. Cash in your chips. Let's not get crazy here. That leaves six outs. Go to Gratterall and Phillips. I agree with that game. Yes, that's for sure. But I'm talking overall, you can't be pitching Gratterall and Phillips every single game. So you look at these guys in the bullpen right now. But when they're available, use them. I, Agreed. I'm talking. I'm not talking he used about yesterday. Evan Phillips the night before in a five nothing win, and I'm glad he didn't say he was unavailable last night, or I would have lost my freaking mind. Because if you had burned Evan Phillips in a five nothing game and then claimed he wasn't available the second night, I would have freaking lost my shit. I'm I'm agreeing with everything about last night. I'm just saying right now, aside from Phillips and Gratterall, the relievers in the bullpen right now are Vesia, Scott, Robertson, Shelby Miller. Victor Gonzalez, Caleb Ferguson, and Yancy Almonte. So yes. at some point, these guys got to execute. And Dave Roberts yes. is right about that. He's, yes. He can't pitch just those two or three guys every single game. If you're yes. going to have a guy in the bullpen, on the active roster, wearing a fucking uniform, you need that guy to fucking perform. And so I'm going to give Dave Roberts some slack here, minus yesterday. Yesterday and the, and the game on the 6th against the Reds when he left Ferguson in was bad. Yes, and I agree with you. It, that's why not 100% of the fault goes on Dave Roberts. That's what I said at the beginning. Th- these guys have to be better. I mean, these guys were reliable last year. Vesia, Almonte, uh, Gonzalez has been reliable so far. He was bad last night. So you, you have guys that you should be able to count on. Ferguson was great the first two months of the season. And then for whatever reason, the last few outings, he's been absolutely terrible. I don't know what's going on there. Um, So I agree that you can't just put all of the blame on Dave Roberts, but like Kevin said, there seems to be this thing with him historically where there's the obvious move that he should go to. And, and there's no rhyme or reason why he goes against that. And last night was a prime example. I mean, you could look at, you could look at the scoreboard and see, Hey, Arizona lost. They, their game ended before the Dodgers game ended. So you could say, Hey, we got to win this game to make up ground in the standings. You know, now we're getting to a point where standings standings matter, games matter. If you can win a game and you have your best relievers available, that to me makes absolutely no sense why you wouldn't do that. I don't know what beer of choice Dave Roberts had after uh, this most recent game, but I hope he whipped out two Modellos instead of one Modelo. He drinks wine. He's a wine guy. Do you see that press conference? I I think it was after I think it was when they got walked off with the Ferguson. He had a Modelo like right next to him, and then literally shoved it away like two seconds later, forgetting he was on camera. <laughs> like imagine just losing a game and instantly going to the fridge to grab a beer. I mean, I would have. I mean that that seemed that seems like it would it was appropriate for for that night. Um, just too many heartbreaking, brutal losses, that recent road trip, they they got walked off three times. That has to be a record in a week. Yeah. Ferguson being responsible for two of them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, we are a bad road team, but losing that game at home when you had Kershaw going, that's why I tout that as the worst loss of the season. Because it's one thing, we already knew our team was pretty bad on the road, but actually at home, they had the best pitching staff ERA up to that point. And the reliever is in June. They have a bullpen ERA over six. So I don't know how I feel like this is going to change. I don't know how this team can go to a bullpen game Friday against the Giants after how inconsistent they've been all season. If I had to put money on it, someone gets sent down. I already saw, I looked ahead, Matt Andres. He pitched last on the 11th, which lines him up perfectly on a normal rest to come out of the pen or start, give them four or five innings, and at least that eats somewhat of this workload. Yeah, yeah I, I just I, don't understand how we are in this position already. I mean, I'm glad they called up Emmett Sheehan and, and Knack to AAA because that's clearly the reinforcements for to get rid of bullpen games while all these guys are injured. But, you know, I understand why they drafted like 15 pitchers a couple years ago in the draft. I, I just with 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 how bad this bullpen is to to be doing bullpen games just seems so irresponsible. Just bring somebody up, anybody. I mean, come on, someone out there has to be able to get five fucking innings. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I, I would rather literally sign Mass and Bumgarner for the day just to avoid a bullpen game. And that's not saying like I want to keep Bumgarner. <laughs> yeah, one day contract. Sick. Yeah, exactly. I'm sick of burning out the pen for no reason. We can't get nine innings out of the bullpen. It's impossible. Yeah, and also with a bullpen game, you're you're risking someone having a bad night. And when the entire bullpen is bad, everybody's going to have a bad night. I mean, that's just how it's been. Yeah, so looking ahead at the trade deadline – the the obvious thing that they need to plug in and fill right away, I would say high leverage relievers. David was already trying to get to the point. Um, are there any specific names you guys are looking at as targets? I haven't even looked into it that much uh, because a lot of the teams, we don't even know who's going to be selling. I'm reversing course and saying, I don't want Tim Anderson. Now I was saying that welcome aboard, while, but, but he's, but he is just, it's not just it's not just the 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 bad offense and the fact that he has zero home runs right now and has in fact last night we learned that he has he's had zero home runs since last July so that's crazy to me but what I think is more concerning is his defense it's just atrocious it's worse than Trey Turner so yeah. I'm out on him I mean if they want to throw him in as like a a complimentary piece to like a Lucas Giolito type of package or Maybe we can pick off one of their relievers and and send them to the prior lab. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the White Sox will. The problem though is that the White Sox are in a winnable division right now because that 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 you know every team is under five hundred in that division. So it's it's tough to say right now who's going to be selling. Still not really thrilled about Miguel Rojas. He's added literally nothing on offense and even defensively he's taken some steps back. He made two, almost two errors last night. Yeah, bad. 33 weighted run created like a 216 hitter no ops whatsoever under 500 that ain't gonna get a job done well, but you uh, said you weren't gonna miss gavin lux that much <laughs> i mean i don't know how much value gavin lux would add either to be honest but oh, come he would on. certainly be much better than rojas he'd at least have an ops of 700 he would have been he i i felt i don't know about the defense have a really good season i just don't know about the defense that's my defense would have been fine wouldn't have been would have been I, I need to Rojas, see it. but it would have been fine. Offensively, it'd be it. a huge, huge, huge addition. A defensive well, left yeah. side of Muncie and Lux is just anyone's cool. better than Miguel Rojas at this point, other than Austin Barnes. But yeah, I mean, it, speaking the, of the White... problem, the 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 problem is, is the bullpen is so bad and the starting pitching is so depleted that we can't even really get into some of the offensive shortcomings, even though they've they've scored a lot of runs every night and they're and they're putting up a lot of numbers. I mean. There's some. There's been some atrocious runner hitting with runners in scoring position. Last night they were two for thirteen. A bunch of opportunities they had. They had uh, Freddie Freeman and, and Mookie Betts coming up with with runners on and runners in scoring position. Less than two outs. Back to back pop ups, foul outs. I mean, yeah. th- there there is there is a lot of concern there though that they're not capitalizing on these on these moments. But the problem is the the pitching has been so bad that you can't really blame the offense. Yeah, Liam Hendricks is target number one, but he's on the aisle with elbow inflammation, but it doesn't yeah, seem know. to be a concern. I think it was more of just him being rushed back from the cancer, and so they might be precautionary. Uh, so we still have time over 50 games to figure out what, what's up with Hendricks, but he's probably target one. Graveman is like a fallback from that team. I don't want Joe Kelly. He gave up two runs also to Mookie Betts. I, I know some Dodger fans are hoping for the reunion. I'm good. Uh, target number two might make some Dodger fans cringe, but if the Red Sox really aren't going anywhere, 
bring back home Kenley Jansen. Imagine them bringing him back and his first game back is at Dodger Stadium and California Love blasts over this PA sound system. This would be the ultimate redemption arc story. Kenley Jansen getting, I bet you, standing ovation, loud cheers from Dodger fans, and hopefully continuing what he's been doing all season, which is like throwing 99 miles per hour at time, being reinstated as the Dodgers closer. I'm here for that narrative. You know, I have to say, I I don't hate that idea. I mean, he he's been he's been pretty serviceable so far this year, and I I agree that maybe you know putting him on a team that actually has a shot at doing something in the playoffs will reinvigorate him even more. Um, but I don't hate that idea. I don't particularly like it. We need a closer. I, I think closer. there'll be others. There'll be others popping around. He does Option. have a three eighteen ERA. That's not great. But he it's has also Boston. Days. It's also Boston. It's pitch. It's always harder for pitchers to have lower ERAs there. Such a hitter's park. Yeah. Fallback options number three is from the Mets. David Robertson. I really think the Mets are going to blow it up. God. He's been really good the last two seasons. Continues to have an ERA in the low twos. Thirty eight years Thirty eight year old, but he is a closer, and that would certainly make things easier for Dave Roberts, who can't seem to function a bullpen without a closer, even when. Last season, Kimbrell was bad. At least he kept plugging him in in the ninth and could manage innings five through eight when he needed to. That is a, that is an interesting point because it was like if you had if you had Kimbrell in the ninth, you didn't really have to worry about the ninth inning. You just were like, all right, all right, get up, get loose, Craig, and then you could figure out the other innings. But now it's so open ended that he's like, fuck it, Almonte, two innings, let's go. You know, Vessia, come save the day. I mean, it's just crazy. He doesn't know what to do without a closer. This happened in the playoffs. He he said Evan Phillips was going to pitch the ninth inning in that game four, and then he didn't know how to script the rest of the innings. And Canely got hit. Almonte got hit. Vestia gave it up. He just doesn't know oh, what to I do. Mean, I, I know we have this conversation all the time, but, like, how much of this is Dave? How much of this is the front office? Like, are, are, we, really, are we really thinking that this is all – Dave cooking this up in the middle of the game. I, I still am not clear on who's making these decisions when it, when it comes down to it. It's mostly Dave. Yeah. So sure. it's so from what I understand, all in-game decisions, full reign to Dave Roberts, they script certain things that he's supposed to fall being the front office. Like for example, Tyler Anderson, five innings max they'll script something like that or evan phillips has to pitch the ninth but everything else and lineups lineups construction but everything else they give full reign to dave whether it's like bring urias out of the pen for no goddamn reason or bring kershaw out of the pen because he wants to have a cute narrative those types of moves are dave roberts and that's his gut and he always avoids analytics for whatever reason when the moment matters most even though we're supposed to be an analytically analytically driven team and somehow he goes to his gut, and usually his gut is a gut punch. I mean, look, the the thing is, is that you gotta you gotta veer from the analytics when the moment is right. It's just for whatever reason he goes away from the script at the worst times and sticks to the script at the other worst times. It's like there's no balance there. Like, I don't know. So this is so kind of this is actually so kind of this is kind of glossing over. A Twitter question from Say It Like They Am One. Is it time to reevaluate Freeman or Robert or other coaching staff's tenure if the organization fails again like it did last season? Unfortunately, I I think I think they're sticking around, both of them, through the, through next season because the, the plan is Otani, right? And that's kind of like the what they've built this offseason. It's why they made the moves that they made one-year deals, uh, sort of band-aids like J.D. Martinez and Noah Syndergaard and letting big free agents like Trey Turner walk. I feel like that's kind of the long-term plan. So I think they're I think they're sticking around. What if I they like miss Andrew, the playoffs? I like Andrew The Freeman. Dodgers? Yeah, what if the Dodgers... They're not missing the playoffs, man. But what no, if they do? Not... What if they have two more injuries and this if they bullpen miss, continues if they miss the to playoffs, perform? Then if they miss the playoffs, which would be what, what would be a colossal colossal collapse then maybe you have that discussion but if they're making the playoffs 
then I think I think they're safe, and I do believe that they're going to make the playoffs. I re- I mean, I don't see. They should come on. They're making the playoffs. Come on. I don't see how that. I mean, they're only thirty-eight and thirty. It's not like they're then they're in second place. I I mean, they're going to make the playoffs more likely than not. But you never know in baseball. Injuries happen. Dave Roberts has not been that great of a manager this season. I still am under the impression that this Dodgers team has to make the NLCS for Dave Roberts to save his job. That's where I stand. I think he's gone. I would guess by default, they probably get rid of the hitting coach and the bench coach. Mark Pryor should stay, but I guess there it could be a situation if they hire a different manager. He's adamant about bringing in his own pitching coach, but that would depend on you know seniority of what whatever this manager could be. Well, I mean, and Freeman be, Freeman's safe. It could be like a a Rick Honeycutt situation where right. he sticks around. Totally, um, and that yeah, and that's was easier to do because Mattingly had a relationship with Honeycutt and then Roberts didn't have anybody. He doesn't know pitching clearly anyway. So I, I, I put more of the blame on the, on the players executing and Roberts inability to pull the right lever than I do Andrew Friedman. I mean, look at these rosters we've had over the last few years, we should have more titles than we do. I mean, that's just plain and simple. I mean, even excluding 2017, we should have more titles than we do. So that's for sure. I, I think it, I, I think it, I think the responsibility has to fall on Dave Roberts at some point, even though he's had an incredible record in the regular season that obviously is not, does not matter when, when you look at how many, you know, world series titles they have and they have one. Young Jeremy three, three, four, six, one on Twitter back to trade questions. Does it seem foreshadowed that Lucas Giolito will be a Dodger? Uh, I mean, I think it's a good fit. I think there's a lot of question marks in terms of these injuries. I mean, how injured is Dustin May? What's he going to be like when he comes back? Uh, is Gavin Stone going to be able to put it together in AAA and then come back and put it together in the majors? Uh, Arias, kind of, I don't know what's going on with him. Kind of a slower recovery. So obviously there's there's a need. Um, but in terms well of, yeah, he has pitched well this year. I, I think it would be more, I, if they, if they make a trade with the White Sox, I think it'll be a multiplayer trade. I don't think it'll just be for a Giolito. I think it'll be for an inf- uh, a relief pitcher as well, possibly a right-handed, uh, hitting outfielder or, or shortstop, uh, Anderson maybe, but I, I was out on the Tim Anderson train before it even left the station. So I hope that's not the case. Giolito is a good fit. If they were to trade for a starter, it'd have to be a guy capable of starting postseason games. And so he fits the bill. Well, I know he's had a pretty atrocious year, but I would like to see Lance Lynn as a Dodger still. Oh, he's still got he's some the in the tank. Second worst pitcher behind Noah Syndergaard this he season. Throws batting practice up there. It's like, yeah, but just get him and get him in LA and he'll get right. Oh, Lord, I don't dude. think so. That's a guy you want pitching for you in the playoffs. He's bad in the playoffs. Well, I still want him pitching for me in the playoffs. I don't care what you want. You're just, you're just, I'd rather you're, have you're, your I'd rather have your enemy number one, Marcus Stroman, than over Lance. Oh uh, no! In. I'd rather lose than have Marcus Stroman. Oh my god! Oh my. That's that is a weird hill to die on. No, it's not. Fuck that guy, Lance. That guy's Lance. insufferable. I think you're. I think you've got uh, World Baseball Classic hangover with him. He he's been so bad this year. I'm aware of how bad he's been, but I also think a change of scenery. Could help him a lot. I don't it's think most, I don't think most pitchers work that way. If anything, adding more pressure to a guy who's been bad all season probably would just—he's basically a reincarnation of Matt Latos. That's what you're getting. No, no, come on, he's better than that. Hey, he, was, he was good last pitch. year. I don't care about last year. I care about now. Look at Matt Latos. I bet he had good numbers too before he was a Dodger. Look, if they want to throw in guys like Tim Anderson and, and Lance Lynn in a Lucas Giolito or Hendricks package, then fine. But going after these guys, I wouldn't make it a priority. Well, I don't think it's going to cost a lot. So you might as well throw it, throw a dart and see if Lance Lynn can stick. Give me Giolito. He's 28 years old, hometown kid. It's contract be, year, so you don't have be to electric be committed. Yeah, I'm on. I don't. I don't know what to expect from Dustin May. I'm getting kind of frustrated with these injuries. We got to stop signing. Well, not Dustin May, but like we we got to stop signing guys that are hurt. Like Alex Reyes. What the hell? Like you know. Oh like, God. It's just 
So are we ever going to see Trinan pitch again? Um, oh, what's going on? No. You know, what's I don't know if he wants to pitch expect, for the Dodgers anymore. Can we? Ex- oh Jesus! Uh, can we expect literally? Can we expect Bueller? Can we expect Bueller and May to do anything this year? I mean, I think just, I think Bueller will come back. I just don't know what version of Bueller we'll get. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. This is, there's just so much uncertainty. Dustin May's for sure coming back, dude. He's I don't know when, but he's coming back. Yeah. I don't know what capacity he'll be at, but he's pitching this I year. I love Dustin May when he's healthy, but boy, is it frustrating. You don't want to mess around with an elbow injury. Like that's just something you can't force or rush. So I don't know. And an elbow injection too. Sheesh. Or yeesh, I guess, in the words of Bueller. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, I mean, the starting staff, the other one that kind of is frustrating me a lot is Ryan Pepio, who might not. Yeah, what the season. fuck is he doing? Haven't heard him. Haven't heard his name. So he just happens to suffer the worst oblique injury of all time, I guess, unfortunately. He's on the 60, isn't he? Yeah. So does he have to give up sex or something? Because like he can't move really. I, I, like, I don't understand that. I, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to buy into the whole uh, Klein narrative that, that something's going on with this training staff. What the, why do we have so many just catastrophic injuries? Oh, they've oh my they've God. been needed. They've needed to be fired for years now. Everybody <laughs> on it. Misdiagnosed Max Muncie. Either Roberts slipped or he was told the wrong information. Not sure, but he thought Muncie had a grade two hamstring strain and then comes out today from Muncie saying, no, it's just something mild. And he's expecting to be back in the lineup Saturday. So which is it? Well, it should be the mild, but knowing this training staff, he ends up out for a month. This is like third world healthcare. Every, everybody that suffers an injury, double the expectancy. Urias, another example. He was supposed to miss yeah, like, what the hell? St- I thought I thought it was sort of a reset kind of IL. Is it real? Is it it's a real well, IL? I have my theories, but you guys don't believe me, so yeah, I won't even get into it. Yeah, Scott Boris. Boris. Yeah, you know it. You know that has something to play with it. He gives up oh, home runs to Austin Barnes and James Outman in batting practice, and now all of a sudden he needs more time off. Oh please, Boris! And I don't Ron. buy it. This happened with Seager two years ago. Broken hand was supposed to be out. You know, they were optimistic a month if, and then he was out like double the time. And then he came back raking all because he wanted to be completely in line with his swing. And I get it. Well, if it that's, if that's what they're doing with Arias, I'm all for that. Take, take the extra couple weeks. I don't care if I need to see bullpen games or Michael Grove or, or whoever, that's fine. I, I want Julio Arias back to, to what Julio Arias is. That's more important than getting him out there just so he can pitch against the Phillies in June. You got you got your wish. You got your wish. Uh, Dub Quacker Seven. Do you all think it's uh, wise to extend JD Martinez? No, no, it's not wise because the it's a it's you know he can only play one position. Yeah, and if they're going after Otani, even though JD's been awesome this year, and I and and he's and he's definitely earning himself another contract right now, so. I don't. I don't think it would be wise if that is if that is in fact the plan. No, and here's here's how it can go. I mean, I think next year in free agency, Otani will be a big domino to fall, and then all the other people will sign after him. I think a lot of people are going to wait for him to decide where he wants to play. Once he signs, then JD Martinez becomes the premier DH on the market. So I think the Dodgers, if they miss out on Otani, will get a chance to re-sign JD Martinez. Yeah, I don't think J.D. Martinez will come back regardless. I think the fallback option would then be, you know, maybe you make Muncie your D.H. or Will Smith a co-D.H. with uh, Diego Cartaya. This feels like a rental situation, mutual interest. Let J.D. Martinez reinvigorate his career. And then he's probably going to get three years with potentially a fourth club option, which makes sense. I mean, Justin Turner kind of was in the same place when he hit free agency around the same age. So I I totally see with 35, I believe. Okay. So I totally see what's going on here. This is mutually beneficial for both sides. Got an awesome season from JD. He also boosts his career and then gets that one final payday because he was kind of a late bloomer too into his career. So he's making up for it now. After that, we got the White Sox and then the Giants come to town. So we already talked about it. Bullpen game supposedly Friday. We'll see. 
These Giants have been surging. They're 36 and 32. All of a sudden, they're in third place. They're only two games behind the Dodgers in the NOS standings. What we kind of expected to be an underperforming Giants team, they've actually overachieved again. So I don't know how sustainable this is, but I mean, some of the guys that stand out, J.D. Davis, third baseman, 845 OPS, could be on the all-star team. Jock Peterson has a 391 on base percentage. Michael Conforto leads the team with 12 home runs. Oh, say that again. Michael Conforto <laughs> leads the team with 12 home runs. Okay. But I'm still happier with David Peralta, so I will add notion to that. And then Tyro Estrada is probably an all-star, batting 296 uh, as a pitching staff in, in its entirety. They're ranked ninth with a 393 ERA. Logan Webb looks like he's scheduled to pitch the final game of that series has been kind of mid this season. Um, I believe the Dodgers, if they get Max Muncy back, that'd be a huge boost because he's got like eight, eight to 10 home runs. It feels like against them this season. We swept them one series, right? I think we're up five to one or four to two this season against them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Forget David. That must be uh mixed emotions of feeling vindicated that, Michael Conforto is back, but the fact that he's producing for the Giants is probably... Oh, no, no, it's not mixed at all. I mean, the Giants aren't going to do anything good at all. They're they're a mediocre team at best. So I feel completely vindicated and justified in my ball-knowing ability. So I wanted to throw this topic your way because this is an area of concern that we already kind of covered, and it relates to this Giant series. How worried are we about this bullpen during this series? Because the the Dodgers are actually closer to third place right now than they are to first place. And so depending on what happens in this series, we could see a, a pretty dramatic shift one way or the other um, in the standings as they currently are. And this bullpen scares the shit out of me that no lead is safe. So how worried are we going into this, into this giant series? I'm not worried. I don't think the giants are that good of a team. I'm not putting too much stock into what's happening with the Dodgers right now. I don't think the Giants, I think the Giants will finish in fourth place in this division. And I'm going to get heat for this, but I still think the Padres are the team we need to be worrying about in this division. I think the Diamondbacks are playing really well. Uh, I don't think they have the longevity to continue to do this all season long. I think the Padres have not gotten going yet. I think they have had some injuries. I think they've had some slow starts. And I think they are the team that we need to beat head-to-head in terms of winning this division. Uh, obviously, you're going to need to beat Arizona in the short term. You're going to need to play a lot better than you have been. The bullpen's going to need to pitch well. You need to get starters back. But in terms of this series specifically, I'm not too worried about the bullpen. I'm, I'm really not. I think Kevin's right. I think they're going to call up somebody tomorrow to pitch the bulk of the, bulk of the game. And uh, it's going to come down to the offense, really. I'm not thinking about the Padres. Right now, they're completely irrelevant to me. Uh, but sticking to the Giants, if this was up in San Francisco at Oracle, I'd be definitely way more concerned about our bullpen. But given that this is a home stand against the Giants, they got to figure it out Friday with the starter. But then we got Bobby Miller, who they're giving an extra day's rest to. This will be his first appearance in his career against the Giants. That's definitely something you should keep a note on because anytime one of your budding aces is facing an arch rival, you want to keep track of how he does historically. So that's certainly something you want to keep track of. So Bobby Miller against the Giants. And then uh, that last start, I guess, who would it be? Is it Gonsolin? Well, they usually yeah. give him two weeks off in between starts. <laughs> it should be because he pitched the first. Uh, yeah. I, so I think it. it yeah, it's Gonsolin Webb. And he's typically fared well against the Giants and all NOS teams, if we're being quite honest. Okay. So I think. They could definitely win two out of three. Big question is what they do Friday. This, I think the Dodgers get up for this series because, like we were just talking about, the Dodgers are really close to third now. The Giants are on their tails. They know they got to separate themselves again in the standings. So I think you're going to see a better Dodgers team for that, at least that series. I don't know how they'll be moving forward, but I think they get up for San Francisco. And they take care of business at home. Well, Giants are going to bullpen game tomorrow too. John Brebbia is the starter. Well, he's an opener. I don't I don't know who they bring out of the pen, honestly. I haven't been following them the last couple of weeks. They have weird guys that any other topics or questions? 
Yeah, I have one more for you guys. Since we kind of touched on the the trade deadline a little bit, and I know that the Dodgers are probably going to make some moves, they definitely need to add at least one bat. If it's an outfield bat or maybe even a shortstop would be great. But given the way that they're constructed right now, how do you feel about this offense? If this offense was going into the playoffs today, how would you feel better with this offense than you did last year's offense? I'll go first. Answer is yes. Way more consistency, one through nine. Last season, it was, you know, Mookie, Freddie, Trey, giant drop off. And then he was good in the first half. He didn't really do anything in the second half. And then you had Lux. And then there was just a giant black hole. Justin Turner was great the second half of the regular season. And then he was awful in the playoffs. No surprise because it was better pitchers. I feel like at least this with this team, there is a better all-around balance. And our bench is certainly better. Obviously, James Altman's in a world of funk right now. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel too confident with him going in the playoffs. And Miguel Vargas has kind of been underperforming as a whole this season. But he's he has his moments, so I can live with that in the playoffs. And then Miguel Rojas, I, I'm pretty much considering him an, an automatic out. But Will Smith's been better. Max Muncy, well, was better until this last month. He's been in a horrible slump, but he's usually better in the playoffs. I, I'm, I'm I can do I can do with it. JD Martinez has been a su- substantial upgrade over Justin Turner. I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, I'm. I think there's more to be revealed. Honestly, I'm not really sure how to answer that question yet. Uh, I think Peralta is going to be a good player in the playoffs. He just kind of has that energy. Uh, JD Martinez has done it before, and yeah, I mean, Altman is kind of a question mark at this point. Uh, we, I think he will. I think where he'll end up is kind of in between the two versions of himself we've seen this year. I think he's he's a MLB player caliber caliber starter. Uh, I don't think he's the best player in baseball, which he kind of was for the first month of the season. Um, so I think he'll come around, and I think I honestly think Rojas will will pick it up. I think we've started to see a little bit better performance at the plate from him. Obviously, the stats as a whole don't show much, but I think lately I've, I've liked the at bats a bit more. He's been getting on base more than he did to start the season. So yeah, I'm yeah I'm none to none to two hundred. Uh, yeah, I'm comfortable with this offense uh, for now. I, I think Smith is Smith is going to be big. He's taking a step this year, and Muncie is Muncie's just perpetually hitting into bad luck. So I mean, he's always going to be fine. I want to talk about him real quick. Is it acceptable that he's hitting one ninety one with a three twenty three on base? The on bases needs to be better. But yeah, he's not one walking. Thing, I, I do want to point something out that uh, my dad actually noticed. And, and when he pointed it out to me, I started to notice it too. It seems as though they're changing Max Muncy's approach at the plate. They're obviously telling him, or maybe he's doing it on his own. I don't know. But I, I would I would assume that this is a game plan thing where he's being way more aggressive than he usually is. He's not taking the walks that we normally see him take. And he's aggressive on first pitch. And he's he's really going, you know, going for it, because in obviously in certain situations, you 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 don't want to you don't need a walk if there are men on base and, and you have a chance to knock in a run. So him being more aggressive at the plate is kind of resulted in the lower on base percentage. I think the batting average is always going to be an issue with him because he strikes out a lot. But I think this year it's it's been sort of a shift. And when he has connected, obviously, it's it's gone very far. He's one of the leaders in the National League in home runs. So um, I definitely see a different in, in, uh, approach at the plate. It's crazy. Yeah, he hit 196 last season, and that was with him being, what, useless for two-plus months? And now he has even worse batting average this season. I mean, there's stats to back it up that I can't pull out right now, but he, he has been hitting into bad luck even with – the lack of shift. So I think the average will improve. I think he'll end up around 220, I would say. But if he's hitting home runs and driving in runs, I'm okay with it. His expected batting average is 222. Yeah. Not pretty. No, but better but, than 180 or whatever. Good thing he's got the Giants coming up. Maybe that'll yeah. be like what happened first go around. Yep. Woke him up. Couldn't yeah. stop. All right. This is the final question. I think this is a collaborative effort coming from GD Lou Hosh in the spirit of bus, like Craig Kimbrell and Noah Syndergaard. What is your 
all worst former all-star late career Dodger team. Players? Team. Yeah, well, players, but put it in a team. Okay, I get. I see. Let's start with first base. Who is the obvious, just awful washed Dodgers? Fred McGriff. The crime dog. I'm going to go with that. I agree. Honorable mention, Jim Tomei. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 17 games. He didn't play. Right. He only had 17 games, 235. He was supposed to be a pinch hitter. He was terrible. 235 uh, batting average. No no homers, three RBIs. The crime dog, though. I mean, that was was a tough watch. He was desperately clawing to get to, what, 600 home runs or whatever it was? He was just so old. Uh, Just decrepit. Didn't he hit like 13 homers though, or something like that? Yeah, I think he finished like seven short of it, but like the seven felt like Amer- like there was no possible way. It wasn't like he's only seven away. It was like, oh my god, he's seven away. He wanted to have his Mister 3000 storyline. Yeah, it didn't didn't really line up for him there. Second base. So they have to be an all star, or can just be anybody? A former all star. Um, one name I have I, I I didn't do it by position. I just from memory of just terrible uh terribleness i came up with these names um i'm not saying that this should be the second baseman but he was pretty atrocious uh sean figgins uh in 2014 38 games 217 batting average one rbi yeah he was bad um yeah i can't think of anyone else oh you know you know who was awful that i just remembered uh but he kind of played third base too i guess he was more of a third baseman it was like jose valentin he was awful (sighs) You know who uh, else was? You know who else was bad at second base? Chase Utley. No. Yes. <laughs> the most overrated Dodger ever. God, what a what a clubhouse hero he was. Well, on the field, he was overrated as hell. He'd be on my roster for this team. He was a leadoff hitter for us. He did. He did solid. He had that huge NLDS hit. Oh, oh, oh! Wait, second base. Hold on. This might be better than Chase Utley. Uh, I have this guy on my list, Brian Dozier. Um, yeah. 47 games, 47 games. He came over in the trade deadline, 182 batting average. And this was in 2018, 182 batting average, five home runs, 20, 20 RBIs, 650 OPS. Pretty atrocious. Yeah. He's the starter. Yeah. I don't know. Gonna... I don't know if Forsyth was an all-star at any point, but he sucked too. I'm going to give you. I'm giving you Dozier. God, that yeah. was terrible. Lead-off hitter trainer. in a World Series game. So oh, bad. Just bad. You just kept waiting for him to perform, and it just never happened. I never happened. Shortstop, I think this one's easy. Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins, that's yeah. who I had on my list. Yep. No explanation Thank God, needed. Thank God bad. Corey Seager took his spot. 2015, 144 games, 224 batting average. 13 home runs, 41 RBIs, and 643 OPS. Third base, Jose Valentin was someone that I immediately thought of. Um, other than that... Does, does All-Star in the Japanese League count? Because if it does, I'm going with that Nakamura guy a while <laughs> does, back. Does not count. All right, so well, bad. the expectations on like- him were high, and that was bad. As bad as I've ever seen. The Dodgers had, I mean, since Beltre, they had a string of awful third basemen. Casey um, Blake was pretty good. Casey Blake was good. Um, Juan Uribe? Yeah. I think he pref- I no, he, he, he was really, fine. I don't he really count himself, him as an all-star, He redeemed though. himself in the playoffs. But but for the majority of that contract, he was, he was pretty bad. Okay, well, Norihiro Nakamura was an eight-time all-star in Japan. And- okay. In 2005, he had 17, only made it 17 games, hit 128 with a 350 OPS, no home runs, three oh, RBIs, 350, <laughs> negative seven OPS plus. So I'm that's my guy. I wa- I remember going to the stadium watching him, being excited, and it was Me just too. not. Yeah, it was just no. We also had employed Michael Young and Mark Loretta. I remember wasn't those Mike Lola Dodger for a minute, but I don't think so. No. But Mark Loretta had that. He had a walk-off hit against St. Louis, I think. In, in an NLB Hey, so did Jed Jerko, right? They have that <laughs> in common. Catcher? Um, Catcher. I Cheech like, Ruiz? Chooch, yeah. Was, I can't um, remember if he was an all-star, but God, was his first name was Sandy, right? And then Oh, Sandy Alomar. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was pretty. He was bad. Him, Rod Barajas. Rod Barajas was There's terrible. No way Rod Barajas was an all-star. Gonna say was Brent Maine an all-star? He was pretty bad. Chad Kruder. No, Russ, way Chad Russell Martin bad. stint too. I liked Russell Martin's stint too. Yeah, he was fine, bro. He was gritty, and he and he and he pitched well. Yeah, he wouldn't be the worst. I'm just trying to think of like former all stars at catcher because that's something we don't really bring over. Yeah, Grandall maybe. Grandall was, was great. He was okay. He was all right. <laughs> you know, Grandall would not fit on this list. All right, uh, all right, outfield, right field. I feel like Daryl Strawberry is the guy. Yeah, I was gonna. Well, I mean, you could put him in center field too, but I guess that's I guess, Andrew Jones. Well, Andrew, jo- yeah, it's a, that's what I was gonna say. Andrew Jones is center field, no doubt. But Shane Victorino, he was bad. He 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 came over uh, in the middle of 2012 in 53 games. He had a 2.45 batting average and a 6.67 OPS with only 15 RBIs. It w- I was so mad about that because Shane Victorino killed us in from 2008 to 2010 and then as soon as he showed up and put a dodger uniform on he couldn't hit anymore i'm going so i'm going those two that we named strawberry jones and then i'm just gonna throw curtis granderson in left field oh that's a great one curtis granderson's good you know who else i have on my list garrett anderson in 2000 in 2000 listen to this in 2010 80 games 181 batting average, two homers, 12 RBIs, 475 OPS. Yeah. He was a he was an all-star. He was terrible. 2010. Yeah. He could he could be bad. I just remember Curtis Granderson had like a four-pitch strike at bat in the NLCS and still struck out. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Um, I think we all know so who the pitcher bad. is. Jason Schmidt. Jason Schmidt. Yeah. Just a refresher. He pitched only in uh, parts of two seasons, 2007 and 2009. Pitched only in 10 total games, three and six, 602 ERA. And perhaps the worst the worst numbers was his contract, which was three years, $47 million down the drain. Besides no him, who besides him, who else would you fill out in that rotation? Casimir? Casimir, definitely. Did Brandon McCarthy make an all-star team? He might have, but... I don't know if he's. Ted, the... uh, was Ted Ted Lilly? Was he ever an All Star? How about Trevor Bauer? I mean, I guess it de- it depends how you define worst, but yeah, yeah. Seventeen starts for that contract. Brandon um, McCarthy was not an All Star, but he would be on that list if he was. The other guys that God, who else used to and just Aaron? suck? Yeah, I'm. No, he was. He was a he was okay. serviceable number five. I don't know. I'm blanking, but I mean, for me, the bullpen, Sergio Romo, for sure. Chris Perez, Brian Chris Perez, Wilson. Brian God, Wilson. Chris Perez. I would punch him in the face if I could. Brandon League was turned out to be horrible. Chris Hatcher. I would gladly take Chris Hatcher in this bullpen right now over some oh, other guys. Worth no way. Chris there. Withrow. Oh, he wasn't an all-star. No. Chris Withrow. Um, no, that's a random name. It is a random name. Oh, um, was Ryan Madsen ever an all-star? I mean, potentially, but it's not like he was a disaster for the Dodgers. He was just wasn't the playoffs. Missed... Look up his NLCS stats. He was an absolute unsung hero. Or maybe it's just he, maybe I'm just thinking of the World Series when he broke. He got up. he got burned in the World Series with Roberts being Roberts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what other pitchers I can think of. I don't remember being too crazy about Vicente Padilla, but he probably wasn't that bad. Yeah, he was fine. He was fine. He, he started it I was going to say, hey, didn't he win a playoff game for us? I, don't, I, don't. I think so. He's definitely started an opening day, too. I want to say. Vicente yeah. Padilla winning a playoff game? I have, I have one other honorable mention on my list. Uh... 2003 Jeremy Burnitz uh he was yeah. there <laughs> yeah he was bad he came over in the in the trade deadline uh 61 games 204 batting average 643 OPS although he did hit 13 home runs um but he was bad how about Ted Lilly 
Yeah, I, I mentioned Ted Lilly. Was he an all-star? I think so. He, he was, was good on the Jays. I'm blanking on pitchers though. I feel like there was I feel like there were more. I mean his name was David Wells, right? He was on the Dodgers for a quick yeah, second. David Wells. Boomer. He had a did he have a couple stints with us? Or or am I just I think just one. No, it was Greg Maddox that had a couple stints. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that yeah. I think that's it for that segment. I do I have time for an out of left field? Yeah. Okay, so this is fast food related. I had a late night uh, earlier this week and the only thing I was hungry and the only thing open was McDonald's. I don't really go to McDonald's ever, but I went to McDonald's and the person in front of me ordered his entire order. I saw it on the screen was just four filet o fishes. Whoa. Which first of all, serial killer, psychopath, lunatic. What, what is that order? But this got me thinking, how do they not specify what kind of fish it is? It's just filet of fish. We just trust that this is just some collection of fish that they just put together in some kind of burger style filet catch of the day, whatever the dragnets brought in. I mean, how was this? How was we of a as a society accepted that we just let them get away with just filet of fish? Whatever it may be, maybe it's salmon, maybe it's tilapia, maybe it's some other kind of fish. How do they get away with just calling it filet of fish? If you've ever eaten fish before, you don't just go to the restaurant. And you're like, hey, I'll take fish. No, you got to say what fish it is. You got to, you got. There's different textures or different types. So what the hell is McDonald's doing, and why have we let them get away with this? I mean, what what is their formula? Are they just putting together? random fish and a goo and just mushing it in together into, into little patties. Is that what's happening? Well, according to Google, it is Alaska Pollock. We, it says on the website, we use wild caught Alaska, Alaska, AJ Pollock for our filet of fish <laughs> sandwich in the U S which is a hundred percent sourced from sustainable fisheries. Okay. So then why isn't it called that? Get even weirder hot dogs. I think that's like, the Frankenstein. Yeah, but of we all accept. Meat. We ex we like that's a that's a decision society has accepted. Like hot dogs, like nobody wants to know how a hot dog's made. They literally have a have a saying about that. But I don't understand how we just trust that McDonald's, like just because their website say it said it's Alaskan AJ Pollock, that we just accept that. Like, I, <laughs> and that guy that was in front of you trusted it four times over. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was flabbergasted at that order. I, I mean, mean if I would never eat that. If anyone's going to McDonald's, I think you're already putting trust in their hands no matter what you order off the True. menu. So yeah, I think is, society yeah, is that it's a burger. Society has just accepted that McDonald's can serve whatever they want. And you hope that it is containing the contents somewhat related to what it advertises. Like what's in a chicken McNugget. I thought last I saw it, it comes like in an ice cream soft serve and then somehow they grill it or fry it. If you've seen those pictures, it's like some yeah. pink, pink soft serve looking thing and then yeah the burgers wasn't there accusations that they weren't even 100 percent all beef at one point so yeah, yeah. I, I get it i i was just like it got me thinking like how do they just get away with that just fish just trust us it's fish trust us i don't know what i don't know what type of fish but it's fish just trust from, us from from sustainable fisheries yeah well I will never be, that will never enter my mouth. So what did you get? What did you order? I got a burger and chicken nuggets. It was not good, but it was food and it was, but I was it hungry. In that, in that situation. Yeah, it was like 1 a.m. and that was the only thing open. I'm like, I need to eat something. So welcome to the golden arches. No fries? Yeah, I got fries. Oh, the fries are it, great. The fries are fine. You eat like six of them though and you're like, okay, I'm over this. Only six fries? Yeah, they smell better than they taste. They smell I great. They, I disagree with that. They're much better than In-N-Out burger fries. Yeah. Well, Five Guys is better than both of them. Not the Ugh. fries. The, bur the burgers. The burgers. Five Guys is on the list of overrated. The last time I ate there, which was actually earlier this year, legit terrible. Whatever. The bottom line is that people have, we've just trusted that this is filet of fish and it look it fucking looks disgusting and we don't even know what fish it is. I don't care what the website, Alaska, AJ Pollock, <laughs> outsourced organic fishery. Fuck that. That's disgusting. It's a collection of just goo. On that note. Yeah, that was a. That was quite a way to go out talking about yep. fish. Yep.
should have saved that for when we play the Marlins or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't. Fresh on the mind. Any other final thoughts? No. <laughs> no, that's a that's a great way to end it. <laughs> like the Dodgers bullpen, uh, that was uh, that was something. All right, well, everyone, make sure to subscribe and listen to the Incline Dodgers wherever you get your podcast. It was a five star rating and rate and review, or subscribe to YouTube. We got our content there. Kevin Klein here signing out. Everyone, have a great week ahead and go Dodgers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.